Hey, Manager After God friends. Thank you for your continued faithfulness and listening each and every week. Jennifer and I have often shared with you about how important prayer is in the life of a believer. It's so important, in fact, that we're told this in 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is God's will for us to pray, and we want to inspire you to begin praying for your spouse and marriage every day. This world hates marriage, and so does our enemy because he knows the power that your marriage is meant to have in this world. He knows that if you and your spouse are praying and chasing boldly after God together, that the impact Christ will have in and through you will be powerful. So we need to be praying more than ever before. Our heart is to encourage you along with everyone who listens to this show to be praying for your spouses and your marriages, to be strengthened, renewed, healed, prepared, and empowered to do the ministry that God has for you to do in this world together. So, Jennifer and I would love to invite you to join the thousands of other couples in taking our 31-day marriage prayer challenge. This is a completely free and fun way to build a habit of prayer in your marriage. All you have to do to join is visit marriageprayerchallenge.com and fill out the registration form. Once you do that, you will begin to receive an email every day from us during the 31 days to not only remind you to pray for your spouse, but we'll also give you various topics and prompts to help you know what to pray for. We dare your marriage to start praying like never before. Start the challenge today at marriageprayerchallenge.com. Hey, we're Aaron and Jennifer Smith with Marriage After God. Helping you cultivate an extraordinary marriage. And today we're going to answer your questions about finances. Welcome to the Marriage After God podcast, where we believe that marriage was meant for more than just happily ever after. I'm Jennifer, also known as Unveiled Wife. And I'm Aaron, also known as Husband Revolution. We have been married for over a decade. And so far, we have four young children. We have been doing marriage ministry online for over seven years through blogging and social media. With the desire to inspire couples to keep God at the center of their marriage, encouraging them to walk in faith every day. We believe the Christian marriage should be an extraordinary one, full of life, love, and power that can only be found by chasing after God. Together. Thank you for joining us in this journey as we chase boldly after God's will for our life together. This is Marriage After God. So first and foremost, we always want to invite you to leave a star rating uh, on the podcast. It helps other people find the podcast. It helps people learn about the podcast. It gets us in the rankings uh, so other people can find it. It's awesome. We'd appreciate it if you just scroll down to the bottom of the podcast app and hit a five-star rating or actually whatever star rating you want to. Um, and if you had time, you can leave us a text review. That'd be awesome. We read those. They encourage us. And we'd really appreciate that. We also want you guys to know that this uh, Marriage After God podcast is sponsored by our store, shop.marriageaftergod.com. And just to highlight one book bundle that we carry that we wrote for you guys is 31 Prayers for My Son and 31 Prayers for My Daughter. And we wrote these for you to help encourage your prayer life over your children. And we're really excited about these books and we wanted you to know about them. So for the icebreaker question, Jennifer... What is one thing you would do today to get out of debt if we had debt? Because we're debt-free, but yeah. if we had debt today, what's one thing you do right now to help us get out of debt? Okay. I think the first thing that comes to my mind is I see like a small piece of paper and I just write a number on it, like let's say $100. And then I would take that day to go around the house and figure out what can I sell today, you know, whether it's on Facebook Marketplace or through my friends, text messages or whatever, what can I get rid of today to make that $100 and then send it straight to the debt? Okay. I like that. I'll one-up you. I was thinking, uh, 
selling everything <laughs> in the house. <laughs> you would. <laughs> well, because we have a lot of things and we don't realize how much money is just sitting in the house mm. through furniture and through... Now, we wouldn't be able to sell everything like our bed, but... No, you said everything. Uh, well, okay. Aaron, we could sleep on the floor. People Aaron sleep would on the floor. sell everything. I, on the other hand, would just get rid of stuff we don't use. <laughs> well, that that's that's how we were when we were in debt, babe. Yeah. We... We had little. We had very little, but we did sell almost everything we had. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's what I would do. I would actually go through the house and I'd say, okay, what mm-hmm. what can we get rid of? And I'd probably, <laughs> Dave Ramsey says it funny. He says, he says, sell everything and so that your kids wonder if they're next. Oh my <laughs> like, gosh, that's Like that, that drastic. <laughs> like go through everything and get rid of everything. Speaking of Dave Ramsey, we have a quote of the day by him. Yeah, it's, if you will live like no one else. Later, you can live like no one else. So you're living like no one else. That sounds like a marriage after God right there. Yeah, it's (laughs) true. Uh, It also reminds me of another quote that says, uh, if you want something you've never had, you got to do something you've never done. Mm -hmm. I believe it's by Thomas Jefferson, but other people say they don't know who it's by. Mm -hmm. So, Uh, But the idea is that if you make choices today that no one else is making, everyone chooses to be in debt. Everyone chooses to spend money unwisely and to just buy things and to, to use credit cards and all the Mm -hmm. things, those are normal. Everyone chooses that. But if we choose to live differently, radically, if we make choices like, well, this hurts and it's painful, but no one's doing this. Mm -hmm. What it does is it affords you a life that later on you can Mm -hmm. live like no one else is living. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you make choices today that allow you to live a certain way later. And I feel like that later comes so fast. Like if just in the scheme of life, like, I mean, it Life might, does fly by it might seem hard now, right? But this season is so short in comparison to the rest of later, you know? Yeah. We have the, I remember our season getting out of debt it's, it, in the middle of it. It was like, it like so a daunting long, drawn out thing. And it was like, this is never going to be it done. Wasn't. And now it's been behind us. What? Eight, nine, 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Yeah. So we've been debt free for 10 years now. And we're living in the later we're living in the later. So yeah, we get to live like no one else now because we we made choices that no one else was making back then. Yeah. And I remember people like thinking we were weird. <laughs> we didn't have much. We had actually nothing. Yeah. But I I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it. Yeah, I don't regret being debt free. <laughs> we we encourage other people all the time. We're going to do it a lot in this episode actually. Yeah. So speaking of this this episode, we thought it would be fun to answer your guys's questions on finance. So we polled on uh, Instagram Live and just asked you, you know, what kind of questions you guys had about money and budgeting and all kinds of things. So today's um, today's episode, we are going to focus on your questions and trying to answer them. Yeah. So each one of these questions is from someone who follows us. Yep. And we're gonna. We don't have all the answers. Nope. We will answer the best as we can. We'll answer with scripture if we can. We will answer from experience. Mm-hmm. And we might say we don't know on some of them. So, because uh, I'd rather say I don't know than make up an answer that is false. Yeah. And just right off the bat, if we want to give some resources uh, that you guys can look up uh, for more information about finances, uh, we do really like Dave Ramsey and just, uh, you know, his his whole uh, ministry on helping people get out of debt and he's helped a lot of people get lead out of debt. Um, faithful lives in finances. So check him out. Financial Peace University is kind of his thing. Also, Money Saving Mom is a great resource. She oh, yeah. has a lot of good stuff. So check her out. Well, so let's start this episode. I want to read some scripture to give us some foundation of why we should even care about our finances, our money, getting out of debt, all of those things. Mm -hmm. And it's found in 1 Corinthians 10, 
verses 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And what I love about this is Paul's saying, he's, he's saying the, re- the race we're running is this race of faith. It's the race that we're r- running toward heaven and with God and with the Holy Spirit. And our prize is imperishable. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to, we're not running to get, uh, you know, a, a trophy. We're, we're running for an imperishable prize, which is eternity with God. Mm-hmm. And Paul says here, he says, I don't run, run aimlessly meaning he's got a specific goal, he's trains a certain way, he's thoughtful about it, and he knows what he's doing. Uh, and then he says, I discipline my body and keep it under control. And the, again, the purpose of this is so that in our preaching, we're not disqualified. So the reason we talk about finances and getting out of debt and why these are important for the Christian to be aware of and to walk uh, not aimlessly in is because we have a job to do in this world, and it's to preach the gospel. And part of our uh, preaching the gospel and not being disqualified is, are we an example? Yeah. Do we have self-control in all things? Yeah, including finances. Including finances. Yeah. Or are we taken under by our own debt and our mm-hmm. own cravings and desires and, you know, oh, I want that new car or I want that, you know, I want to eat out all the time or whatever it is mm-hmm. that sucks the money out of us and keep, makes us incapacitated financially. Uh Paul wants us to know that we shouldn't be running aimlessly. So we should have a plan. We should have a goal. We should have purpose in mind. And he wants us to remind us that we're, the gospel that we're preaching, we ourselves don't want to be disqualified after we've preached it. Mm-hmm. So we need to be disciplined and self-disciplined and self-controlled. So I just thought that'd be a good I place to it. start really good. Yeah. with this. Um, you know, it's it's actually why we got out of debt. It's part of our story. We We left doing missions work we're doing the Lord's work. Mm-hmm. We felt the Lord calling us home saying, I want you debt free so you can be free. Yeah. And we went home. But we had a goal. We had a, yeah, we went home specifically to get out of debt. So everything we did was focused around getting out of debt. And I feel like that word aimlessly really stands out to me because I feel like, I mean, it's, because I, I feel like it's really easy when you look at finances to almost avoid the, the hardship of finances or the things that weigh us down, the stresses involved yeah, pretend to just it's not there. to pretend it's not there or to ignore it, which leads to kind of being aimless. If you're not willing to face it and confront it, then the other option is kind of to be aimless. Yeah. Well, there's, there's no goal. There's yeah. no, you're just, you're floating. You're like, well, I'm going to, cause if you have a goal, then you're, then you're going to be forced to look at what you have and say, okay, this is how I get from point A to point B. Yep. And we have to write those goals down too. We've yeah. just been talking about lists lately. Yeah. <laughs> and if you if you write it down, it becomes real. Mm-hmm. So just a, a quick tip. Write down your goals, how much you want to pay off, when, when do you plan on getting out of debt, and then start hitting those goals yeah. and doing everything you can to hit them. Yep. And even if you have specific strategy and you guys figure out like how you're going to do it, write that down too. Yep. All right, let's go right into question number one. Okay, is there any rhyme or reason with any of these? No. Okay. It looks like you just put them in order from what you received them. Okay, let's do it. So how do you view debt that one person brought into the marriage as ours 
especially when the two of you are on different pages about spending before the debt is paid off. Oh man, I feel like we answer this really good in our book, <laughs> Marriage After God, yeah. because we share kind of our different perspectives of money um, and the value it had in our lives, how we spent it, and this idea of debt. This was us. Yeah. Whose debt did we have when we got married? Well, I believed it was yours. Yeah. It had your name written on it, <laughs> but uh, God had to teach me the lesson of what it meant to be ours. Yeah. Well, and you you, you married me dead and all. Mm-hmm. You married yeah, me, sin that. and all. Yeah, and and we don't get to marry someone, but only choose the parts of them that we're going to walk with and be one with. Right. Um, now, there's when we have sin; those are things that need to be changed and and repented of, and um, even the debt needs to be dealt with. There's things that need to be dealt with, but yeah. we deal with it together. Yeah. So to answer this question, how do you view debt that one person brought in? View it as ours. ours yeah. So assume that responsibility as now ours, both of you working together to do it, because yeah. I'll tell you what, it wasn't until God changed my heart and I received him changing my heart on it being our debt that we actually were able to make change in mm-hmm. knocking it off. Well, and think about it. If you would have expected me just to deal with it while you're spending how you want, we would never, it was our money, right? Yeah. But then yeah. You, if you spend it how you want, it would have made it that much harder for me to deal with it. Yeah. You probably wouldn't have, you would have hindered me from dealing with it. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, ours. And then it says, if we're on different pages about spending, get on the same page, the reason you're in debt and having a hard time paying debt off is because you're on different pages about finances. Yeah. Get on the same page. That means that both of you are going to have to make sacrifices to stay on that same page. Mm -hmm. Um, when it comes to spending, saving, paying off debt, all of it. Yeah. And a quick tip, make a rule. We, we made a rule if it was anything over 25 bucks, we had to immediately bring it to But when we were getting out of debt, we actually talked yeah, about we everything. Did, yeah, everything we spend. went to that. Um, but now we have rules about if it's going to cost so much, we, we actually ask permission. Mm-hmm. Um, and that what happens though is it keeps us both accountable yeah. to what we're spending that. It's not just like, oh, I accidentally spent $600. Sorry. Oops. <laughs> like that doesn't happen. <laughs> Okay. Um, I think we answered that one yep. pretty good. Number two, what do you recommend in terms of building multiple streams of income? This is a cool question. I also feel like in this day and age, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity. Oh, we have infinite opportunities. People make money just on social media Yeah. by not even selling anything. They just, they post for other people and they make money. Why do you think it's a cool question? Uh, Well, because we did this. Mm -hmm. The way we got out of debt was we started a photography business. Yeah. We used our resources of what we had, which was a camera. We used our our passion for photography. And we had resources and, and relationships. Mm-hmm. We knew someone getting married and we're like, hey, can we shoot your wedding? Mm-hmm. And they said, sure. They needed a photographer. They didn't have much money. Actually, we did that for free. They bought us like a flash or something. Yeah. I think the, ver- the very yeah. first wedding we shot, um, we shot together mm-hmm. for a flash, which she had to buy for us before. Yeah. The and then I think we charged like 400 bucks. And then I think it was like $600. And then it was like 850 With each and, job yeah. that we got, we just... Yeah. Well, we made a rule. We're like every job we're going to increase a little bit Mm -hmm. until eventually we were making $1,200, $1,500 a wedding. And we were working Saturdays and Sundays, shooting families and weddings while working full-time jobs during the week. It was crazy Now (laughs) I will say we had no kids back then. Yeah. So we were able to. So it will, it would definitely look different today Mm -hmm. with having kids. Uh, but it is still possible. Yeah. 
um, a, a couple of ideas we've had. Well, so, for starters, like you just said about the seasons thing, I think it's really important for couples to know that if you're going to go into a season of hard work, meaning either both of you or one of you yeah, is heavily working, there just needs to be kind of like an end date where you're saying, okay, we're going to sprint this season. Yeah. This next six months, we're going to work we're gonna this hard, this hard. And that way expectations are set and nobody can get mad at each other. And then there's a season of rest. Don't forget to give yourself that season of rest. Yeah. Cause you'll, if you just get it working nights, and weekends You'll burn out. and all day uh, you your want, family yeah, will burn out you, you don't want to do that no so that's a good good reminder that to make to and that's how we've always looked at it we, yes. we did the photography thing for a season it was a yeah. year and a half that we did it mm-hmm. and we we crushed hard mm-hmm. at that i remember doing so much by the end of it we hated weddings but it was fun it was super fun and weddings we got out of debt well, and they're really hard <laughs> we got out of debt though so uh the idea is um we have a few ideas the first one we have is publish a book we, we make a living now off of books that we've published and we learned how to do it on our own. Mm-hmm. But one of the little things we started a while ago is called bookworthy.com. It's a, it's a course Jennifer and I made teaching people how to self publish. So if you're interested in, if you, if you're a writer, if you have a children's book idea, if you do art or photography, publish a book, you might be able to make a little bit of money on Amazon. Yeah. It's actually free to do as long as you have all the, the you know time and mm-hmm. energy and the talent to do it. Um, another one is uh, start a small business based off skills or resources you and your husband have, like our photography business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another one would be painting. So if you like to paint, you can sell canvases of different things that you like to paint. Yeah, or if you have some tools for painting. I, I've known people to paint houses and make really good money oh, on the on true. the weekends. Um, doing handyman work. Uh, there's mm-hmm. there's so many things that we have skill-wise yeah. that we don't realize is actually valuable. There's someone who needs what we have. Yeah. So maybe as a couple, write down the resources, the talents, the skills that you have and see how those can make money. And you can utilize, you know, places like Etsy.com oh, to, yeah. to, as an, a venue to sell your stuff. Yeah. We know someone that they, they just were really good at sewing little bows and like a, start an Etsy store and sell yeah. a bunch of bows, <laughs> you know? Uh, we also have people who've made a lot of money off. Um, you know, there's a lot of companies out there that have great models, things like Young Living. Yeah. You they've know, made it really easy to start a products. Thing. Yeah. So those are just some ideas. Um, there's so many, so many ways to do it, but ha- having a small business or doing some sort of side jobs is a, it's how we paid off all of our debt. Yeah. Uh, and it does add levels of complexity to your life, but it's totally doable. And it's sometimes the only way to get out of debt. Mm-hmm. If your, your normal job doesn't afford you enough financial liquidity to pay off debt, doing a side business for a while or a side job can definitely do that. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to number three. How do you both feel about taking risks financially, such as investing in something that might cost a lot upfront, but also make money in the future? Mm. Which there's no guarantee. Yeah. Nothing's, nothing's ever guaranteed. <laughs> we always get told that like, no, no, this is like a, a no brainer. You just got to start it. We, we always tell ourselves the best case scenario. Uh, and we don't, think practically through it. So I just wanted to read Luke 14, 28 says for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. And I just wanted to remind us that wisdom should tell us like, okay, that sounds like a great idea. Yes. Because it could totally be profitable to spend a little bit of money now. If you could figure out that it's going to double or triple or whatever, but we got to count the cost. Yeah. What's the time investment it's going to take? What's the the financial investment it's going to take? How long will it take to return that? How much time is it going to take to maintain and build and grow? Those are all things that we have to 
think about when trying to take a financial risk. And then the we we've we've done this before. We've we've been really frugal in the past and avoided any sort of risk. And we've <laughs> also made mistakes in risk. And what would you say is the better side of it? Well, like you said, counting the cost, I think it's always really important that we sit down and figure out, you know, how this will benefit our family or how this will hurt our family. And I think the times that we've made mistakes are the times that we don't really count the cost. Um, but yeah, and we rush into things. Yeah, that's yeah. been my fault. Well, Many I wasn't going to point the finger. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say out of the two of us or how, because the question is, how do you both feel about it? Um, how do you feel about taking risks financially? What's your process? I'm usually pretty safe, but I have made mistakes mm-hmm. and it's, and it always comes back to, I don't fully th- think through it. I tell myself the best case scenario and often it's a rush. Yeah. And so now I kind of, we have these rules of like, if it's a rush, it's a no. Mm. So <laughs> for um, the most part, there's been times, but usually if it's a rush, it's a no. Yeah. When I think about this question, I think, well, if it's a risk for like some sort of investment or stocks or something like mm. money wise that way, I always get really nervous and I'm like, nope, I won't do it. Yeah. But when it comes to a risk of like taking a risk on someone or somebody's talent, you know, one of ours, something that we have a dream to do, that's easier for me to say yes to, even if we waste a lot of money doing it. I I don't know why, but there's something in my heart that just says, let's go for that. Yeah. And if it could be a slow and uh, minimal risk, that's always like, so (laughs) what we try and do is just like, how can we make this as little of risk as possible? Yeah. Um, like if we're going to work with a new company that's going to print our books or advertise for us or whatever it is, yeah. it's all risk technically because yeah. they could mess up. You could mm-hmm. buy, buy the wrong thing. You could spend the wrong money. It just Would you say that it would be wise to also seek counsel on certain decisions like maybe those close friends that you have? or Oh, 100%. Yeah. Count, getting mo- many wise counselors around you is the way we, we do battle yeah. and we win battles. I just wanted to read one more scripture on this. James 4, 13 through 17 says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do it and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And I just wanted to bring this up because the other side of this is to rem- remember that we have no control over tomorrow. Right. Like we don't know. I could invest today and the Lord can come tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can, doesn't mean not to, but James is telling us let's have a heart of like, well, if the Lord wills it, mm-hmm. we're going to work. We're going to, we're going to plan. We're going to count the costs. We're going to get counsel. We're going to figure things out. But to be honest, it, if the Lord wants it to happen or not. The other thing I want to add to this section about taking financial risks is you guys got to be in unity when taking financial risks and don't, um, not at the cost of your marriage. So I I don't want people to jump into um, making decisions that, you know, one spouse is for it, one spouse isn't. I really think that there needs to be unity whenever you advance in making decisions like this. That's a good that's a good point. Being complete unity, have peace about it. And I, I would say lastly, you should not be taking a financial risk unless you have some extra money to play to with. To risk. <laughs> <laughs> like if you if you are li- literally not being able to buy groceries to risk this, it's a that's not a good strategy. Mm, that's good. So it may mean 
sell some more things and say, okay, we have this extra thousand dollars. We could put it towards debt or we could start this thing. Mm -hmm. But that thousand dollars, if it's gone or not gone, isn't going to hinder your family from being taken care of. That's good. I'm glad you mentioned that. Okay. Number four, do you make a college fund for your children? If so, how much do you add to it each month? Do we have a college fund? (laughs) No. Short answer, no. (laughs) No. Do we have a little bit of savings if they needed it? Sure. But we also want to encourage our kids, you know, just in their future, we talk about college. Um, We don't, we, we want to encourage them to be hard workers that if they needed to pay for their own college, they could. Yeah. And teaching them the abilities that they have and how they can make money. Uh, we, we have, you know, we have an IRA that we, we, we put money into that could be used for school, but we don't necessarily have a direct college fund. It's and just, do we put money in it every month? Uh, we don't put money in every month. We put it, uh, for a while we were, um, but we adjust that based off of how our income is. Cool. So, so the next question is, how do you feel about mortgages? Well, I hate mortgages. <laughs> Everybody does. <laughs> yeah. Who, who likes mortgages? So, so uh, specifically this um, couple was asking yeah. because they say, we are debt free, but live in NYC and seems like you can't own a home without a mortgage. Is that still being debt free? Um, Having a mortgage? Well, technically no, because you're in debt. But some people would say, well, it's good debt because it, it appreciates. Well, sure. If, as long as the market is appreciating. Um, so there's, again, you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I, I feel like for the majority, most people would say it doesn't fall under the debt-free right. title. Yeah. Again, so we bought a house, you know, we, we got a mortgage and we did that normal thing, but we were already, we we had been debt-free for seven years mm-hmm. before buying a house. There was a season actually leading up to like six years into our debt-freeness. I didn't even want to buy a house cause I didn't want to get in debt again. Um, but you know, things change and we, we made a different decision and, our goal was to, you know, treat that debt the same way we treated the other debt. So again, you have to count the costs mm-hmm. and you have to make the decision that way and get wise counsel. Can you afford it? And then, cause the way I looked at it is I was paying, you know, X amount of dollars for rent anyway. So if I could pay that to something I'm going to own, mm-hmm. that's what I, that's what, why we decided to buy. A you house actually finally. put a stipulation on it. You said, we're not going to, we're not going to even look for a home to buy if it's if the mortgage isn't less than what we're paying for rent. Yeah, that was, that was a man. Cause when we were looking, it gets so easy to start looking out outside your range. Yeah. And you keep going like, up well, it's up. only another 10,000. Oh, it's, you know, well, this is nicer. Whose voice is that? I don't know. Are you really going to be me? <laughs> no, that's my that's funny. inside voice. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but I did, I made a hard stipulation. I said, I don't want to buy a house that mortgage is going to be more than our current rent. Mm-hmm. So, and we did, we actually hit that. Yeah. It took us a long time and it was really frustrating at times. And we had to be patient, but I would just like the other questions. I would just say, you guys have to be in unity if you are going to go into that mortgage. Yep. And count the cost. It's going to be an investment that you have to put your own like blood, sweat and tears into. Yeah. (laughs) All right, cool. Let's move on. How do we not touch savings? It's a pretty short question. Bury it really deep in the backyard. Yeah. If this is a self-control thing, then you need to learn self-control. Yeah. Like if you're just dipping in because you wanted to go out to eat or if you wanted to buy that thing. Have that coffee. Like that's, you're never going to be able to save if that's how you are. If it's a problem with you can't pay your rent, dip into the savings. That's what it's there for. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it's there for. So I'd say just practice, give yourself goals. Say we're going to save to this amount of this dollar amount. And if we do, we'll celebrate by 
you know, spending yeah. a little bit, one percent of it. That's a good idea. And that way, you're helping yourself, training yourself to go longer without dipping into your savings. And you have a goal you're going to hit. Yeah. Cool. Okay, number seven. How do you tithe when you're financially struggling? How did we do it? So <laughs> we live pretty radically. <laughs> we still tithe, even though we were struggling financially. So we believe that um, everything that we got was God's and we gave it back to him. All of it. No, yeah, <laughs> no, but we to. had this. I, I, I believed that generosity and giving and tithing were spiritual disciplines. Uh, and I believed that I wanted to trust God. And I remember telling us, I said, hey, the only place in the, in the Bible that God tells his people to test him is in the Old Testament. And he tells his people, he says, bring all the tithe to the storehouse when he's talking about the, the temple. In Micah. Yeah. And he says, see that I will not open the floodgates of heaven. Or is it Malachi? Oh, it's Malachi. I think you're right. It's the last book of the Old Testament. And he just, he challenges them to challenge him. Like, hey, I'm going to, like, you do what you have been supposed to be doing for all of these generations that you haven't been doing it. And I will pour out my blessing on my people. Now that was talking to the Jews, but I, it, but God hasn't changed. And so I looked at God and I said, I want to, I want to give. I want to be a giver. I want to be generous. I want to be a tither. And what was awesome is a couple things happened. We were able to give and be generous. And it also changed our perspectives on money. Yeah, we didn't hold it so tightly. Which is the whole point of the, the giving anyway, of knowing it's all God's. So we we actually, while we were trying to get out of debt, we, we, we made it a challenge to ourselves to see how much we could give. Mm-hmm. What is funny is it kept us from getting giving ourselves pretty much anything. We just had enough to live on and not only were we able to pay our debt off, but we were also to, able to give more than we ever were able to give. Mm-hmm. Not that that made us any more righteous or anything. It was just, it was our own personal challenge. And it was pretty awesome to see that God still provided. God grew, grew what we were able to give and decreased our debt yeah, and as I, we were faithful. I think one of the things we wanted to avoid too was, well, once we're out of debt and we have money, is it going to be harder for us to give then? You know what I mean? So we wanted to build yeah. that habit well, because the mentality is always like, oh, I'll give when I have more. Mm-hmm. And I have a scripture to, to to reference for this. But like once I have more, that's when I'll give. And we're not giving this as a command to anyone. Like you have to de- you have to choose in your heart and decide in your heart what you're going to give and how you're going to give as a family. And that you are at any level of giving. Are you going to trust God? Are you going to seek him? And are you going to learn to be wise with your money? Because that's what he wants from us. He wants us to be wise, not just frivolous and like, I'm just going to throw it away. And like, here, here who's that? Oh, I, we can't pay rent now. No, like we be wise. So if you want to give, pray and ask how you guys can give and ask God to change your hearts on what, what money means to you and why, and why, why, where it goes and when it goes. And the, the verse I wanted to bring up about this is, is in Mark 12. And it's, it's about this Jesus recognizing how two different kinds of people are giving. And he says, and he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all these who are contributing to the offering box for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she out of her poverty has put in everything she had all she had to live on. And so just that mentality of once we have more than we'll give, he's Jesus is showing us in this picture. He's saying, actually she gave more out of her poverty because she didn't have much to give, but she still gave. 
so knowing that if we have the mentality of one day we'll give when we have more, isn't the, isn't the right mentality to have the right mentality to have is like, God, it's yours. Teach me, teach me how to use it. Where do you want it? Okay. Number eight, what is your take on separate bank accounts in marriage? Well, I think there's a scripture that speaks clearly to this and it's in Genesis 2:24, Matthew 19:5, Mark 10:8, Ephesians 5:31. Hold on, those are a lot of verses. Oh. Well, they all say the same thing. <laughs> it says the two shall become one. <laughs> uh, we our take is that there should just be it's there's one place that money goes. Yeah. <laughs> it's our money. Yeah. And we use it for God's kingdom. And having the one bank account, it it helps you in building that oneness and that unity yeah. and um, practicing and walking it out on a daily basis. Yeah. So our perspective is you share a bank account. Now we can we have a savings account and we have, we have a few accounts, but there's not her money, my money. No, we all have access and we all put in to mm-hmm. it and we all take out of it and yep. we talk about it a lot. Yeah. Number nine, when budgeting, do you allow for a savings amount for birthday gifts, food, et cetera, or does it all come out of general? Okay, so how we would do this is we would have in our budgeting, we'd account for food and even going out to eat, but then we'd just have a general fund where those kinds of things came out of birthday gifts. and Yeah, we called it our personal allowance, which was after we broke down all of our budget, whatever was left, which is usually nothing. Sometimes it was a little bit. Um, But yeah, um, we've never been that specific, but you can totally get that specific. I know people that have broke down their, their budget as specific as that you can imagine. Yeah. And I know having the app on our phones, the bank app has helped because you'll check right there as we're checking out in line, making sure that we can afford that birthday gift or whatever it is extra that we were If I have to transfer from savings or something. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So what's number 10? Number 10 is what percentage of the budget should be allowed for food, assuming uh, that they're talking about all food or just going out. I'm not really sure, but. If you're in debt um, and you're trying to get out of debt and you're trying to save money, you just probably should not eat out. Yeah. It's way more expensive. And if you're going somewhere that's cheaper than uh, um, like a restaurant, it's probably not healthy. So eat at home. It's cheaper. You can buy in bulk. You can organize it. So your budget for food, we, our budget was always just food. Mm-hmm. And if we ate out, it came out of that budget, which hurt me, hurt us because, you know, you have this eating out bill and then it took away from your groceries for that week. Yeah. Uh, recently, I was, I was following someone on Instagram who posted a screenshot of a breakdown of what percentage of your budget should be for food, depending on your family size. And I thought it was really interesting. I don't remember exactly where she got it from, but I'm sure if you just Googled it, <laughs> yeah, it'll show up. And, and the way you can do this is go grocery shopping buy, and figure out what your normal grocery shopping list is. And that's your, bu- that's your budget. If you need to break down your your grocery shopping budget more and you can find like, well, we don't need to get cereals this time or you like pick the things that are less necessary or figure out how to buy things in bulk. Yeah. But definitely if you're trying to save money and get out of debt, grocery shopping, buying in bulk, freezing stuff uh, is the going to be the best way to go. And eating out should probably be put on the back burner for a while. That's funny, back burner, because we're talking about making food at home. (laughs) Don't forget about it. Don't let it burn. Just kidding. Okay, uh, number 11. How much is a realistic amount to save each week? This is going to be unique to every single person's budget. Yeah. Uh, To to be honest, we didn't save a penny. Until we were out of debt. Until we were out of debt. And kind of beyond that. Yeah, my, my perspective on it is why are we saving money when we could be putting that money towards debt? Uh, so once we were out of debt, we started thinking about savings differently. 
But again, that's going to be dependent on your income, yeah. where you're at, how much debt you have, uh, and figuring out whatever percentage of your income can be saved. Can be saved. Yeah. yeah. Number 12, my husband and I are in so much debt, we don't know how to budget. Any advice, we want to be debt-free and not living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, my advice to this couple is get on the same page, start talking about it, mm-hmm. get real. We, yeah. we have to recognize that we can't just play with these things. Yeah. Like if you need to stop eating out, stop spend, there's, there's areas you're spending money that you shouldn't. If it means finding a better job, start looking. Maybe your second job you have is looking for a better job. Mm-hmm. If you're only making ends meet on this current job, you're not getting enough hours, you know, look for a better one. We're in that, right now we're in the best economy for looking for a job. Um, And I know that's easier said than done, but like we sometimes just need to pull the bandaid off and realize, okay, this sore is not getting healed. We need to sit down. We need to write down everything, every penny where it goes. We need to start selling everything we have. We need to start and just like boil your life down to what you need Mm -hmm. and, and, scramble to get out of debt. Also, we shouldn't neglect the power of prayer. I feel like there have been so many testimonies from our friend's life and just our life of praying for specific needs. What kind of job do you have and do you need that God could be fulfilling for you? Give him the opportunity to open your eyes and show you and give you exactly what you need. And then start looking Mm -hmm. actively. Send resumes. Now, don't tell your your current job that you're doing that because they might fire you. (laughs) But that's what I would do. I would start looking today. So number 13, we have three boys. How should we decide what they can and can't do because of the budget? They love sports, music, etc. Okay, so again, going back to the unity, I feel like you and your husband, you and your spouse need to be on the same page about what the budget can allot for. Where is there room to do stuff? And if the budget for that season doesn't, um, you know, doesn't have room for those extra things. Yeah. It's going to be hard, but you have to be able to say no. You have to, you, and you're, and you just have to explain to your family yeah. what that means. And our kids are not going to fall apart or become not, you know, less of citizens in this country and, and immoral because they don't do sports. Mm-hmm. We, we have to re- like, we sometimes have those, those draws of like, well, if they don't do these things, then they're going to miss out on But we have to remember, like, there's so many other ways, like, that our kids will learn whatever skills they can learn in those sports or those those activities. And don't forget that they're also learning the discipline of of being a good steward with finances, and this is part of learning. And they'll have to know that you know, in life, there's seasons when you can't do as much, and that has to be okay. So think about this: the sports is like a team sport thing, right? Getting out of debt's a team sport. Your children are on your family. Mm-hmm. They're on your team. Yeah. And they get to be a part of that. And you can bring them in and say, well, guys, we're going to go through a season that's going to be hard, but we're going to do it together. Yeah. Here's the, here's the downside if you're not doing it together. Um, let's say um, let's say mom is pushing for the team sports and dad saying, well, we can't afford it this time. What are the children going to see? They're going to see division in the marriage. They're going to yeah, see, and they'll react to that, and they'll react to it, and then they're going to they they also may start to favor the parent who's for them and for what the things or that they worse, want to do become bitter towards the other parent, or become bitter towards them. the other parent. And we want to yeah. avoid that. A marriage after God team understands the power of unity and um and doesn't lose sight of that. Yeah, and so be on the same page again yeah. as a as a couple. So that our children see our unity and strength and they will learn more from that than they'll learn probably from any sport, in my opinion. 
Okay, number 14, what do you do for health insurance? We are self-employed and would love to hear what you do. For a long time, we were on, uh, what's that? what was that company called? It was not, Samaritan's Purse is one of them. Yeah, it was called uh, MediShare. There, it's like a, it's a Christian healthcare. It's a, it's a shared thing where you, you put, you put money in and that, that money helps other people in their bills and vice versa. We did that for a while, actually. So there's MediShare and then there's Samaritan's Purse. And I know there's a couple others, but just look for uh, Christian shared health plans. Number 15 is how do you navigate financial stress as a team? So what are some ways, practical ways that we can help each other uh, when there's financial stress? Lots of uh, conversations mm-hmm. about what's going on, planning together, writing things down, prayer, uh, and just constantly reminding each other that we're, we're going to get through it together, mm-hmm. that we're going to do it together, that we're going to make choices together, and not getting off you know, out of hand and, and sneaking around and spending money over here or uh, making choices over here behind mm-hmm. each other's backs. But actually, or arguing like, about it right or in front arguing of about it, yeah. yeah. Which has happened. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just that team, like doing it together, having the conversations at night, having the, you know, putting the strategies in place. I think too, a, a huge win would be reminding each other of the future. Like we start out the episode that later, living life later, you know, what does oh, that look the, like? We did this a lot. Yeah. So kind of I envision, said, just kind of envision for each other um, what that future looks like and yeah. enjoy that moment. Right well, and there. recognize like, hey, what we're doing right now is going to give us something else. It's going to give us something better. It's right. going it, to, the fruit it's going to bear is going to be good. And so that that's such a good reminder because we did that because it was so hard at times to be, when we, right near in the middle of it, you're like, gosh, this is just too hard to be like, hey, but just know it, in a few years, this is going to be so far behind us and we're going to be able to make choices that we weren't able to make before and it's going to feel so good and freeing. Uh, so just, yeah, as a team, reminding each other of what it's going to do, you know, working hard at, at these things. So we got a few more. Why don't you let us know what the next... <laughs> <laughs> that was so weird. Okay. Just okay, so we got a few more questions. Why don't you hit the next question for okay, us? Okay, number 16 is what do you guys use for a budget? Which, uh, if they don't know, Aaron does most of the, the budgeting, which I like because yeah. I don't really have the mental space right now to do it. Uh there's two parts to our budget. We, we I see, I'm going to be honest. We don't focus on our budget as much as we used to, as as micro as we used to. Um, but we still use a lot of the general um, disciplines. Disciplines. Yeah. But when we were getting out of debt, man, we were. Yeah. I was looking at that thing every single day. Yeah. Uh, Heightenly aware. It's yeah. So what I did is I just created a Google Sheet a spreadsheet, or you can use Microsoft. You know, uh, what's it called? Excel. And I broke. I re- literally wrote down on the sheet. Every single thing that we spend money on. I looked at our grocery bills to see how much we spent on groceries. I looked at our gas bills to see what our average was each month. Mm-hmm. And I rounded them all up a little bit so that, because if there, it was, a, you know, one month this high, one month is low, I rounded them all up a little bit. And then I took the total and then I broke down by pers- by actual things that we owed, like bills. And then we, f- then right there, we found out what our budget was. So it was like every month to live, we needed. Yeah. $1,800 or $1,250 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And that was phone bill. That was gas. That was literally every single penny we had to spend to live. Um, and then anything that was left over, I broke up in percentages, 10% to tithe or 12%, whatever our number was. And then how much it was going to go to, uh, you know, debt actually, no, 
So then whatever was left over, I broke up it to allowance and, and to tithe and savings. But for a while, allowance and savings was zero and, and tithe was the only thing that we had extra. So, uh, that's how we did it. And then the second part of it was we opened up several different bank accounts. One was our bills bank account. So every penny that was owed to bills for the month went into that account and all our bills were paid from it. And then we had our savings account, our tithe account and our allowance account. And what, based off the, the spreadsheet, we just put the money. It's like the envelope system that Dave Ramsey does, but we did it, in a big, we did it digitally. <laughs> so that's, that's how we budgeted. Okay. Then these next few, which we're going to wrap up with are kind of all the same. So I'm going to read them all and then we'll try and answer them. So 17 is how do you budget with kids with one income and a stay at home mom? Number 18 is, I want to be a stay-at-home mom, but we are not sure we can afford it. What should we do? And number 19, do you have any advice on seeing if you're ready to go to a one-income household? How do you prepare to go to one income with a second baby? So all mm-hmm. kind of surrounding that uh, one income, stay-at-home mom, one kid or more. How do you budget? Well, How do you do it? Strict. Yeah. Uh, get real strict. Frugality. Mm-hmm. So learning, finding all the tricks of the trade of how to save money, how to, how to, you know, couponing and where's the best place to grow grocery shop and to getting hand-me-downs clothes wise and shopping at thrift stores. If you need to, like, that's, I mean, to be honest, I I always think like, why are we buying brand new clothes with these kids grow out of them so fast? (laughs) Well, Um, we've saved a lot yeah. of ours. Yeah, we save our that's boxes. oh that's that's frugality. Like we yeah. we buy something and then we save it and yeah. all of our kids get the same clothes. Um, we needed and, new ones when Olive came along because Yeah, because she's our she's only girl. girl. <laughs> <laughs> so just there's so many resources out there. Mm-hmm. There's bloggers and YouTubers and Instagrammers that talk about this. And creating a strategy and praying through it, getting wisdom and advice. And then f- figuring out the process. I think a really uh, huge encouragement here would be um, if you're preparing to go to that one income household and, you know, mom's going to be staying at home or maybe mom's already home and there's another baby on the way and money just feels tight. In those seasons, I would just um, encourage you to be reminded, both of you be reminded of your why. Why is mom staying home? Because right. the ministry. important for you? The ministry of raising children and managing a home and having attention there is so valuable, more yeah. valuable than having that extra income income, or, you know, having multiple streams of reven- revenue just for the sake of building your guys's yeah. uh, financial security. And I just want to encourage those moms who are at home who are you know, just working so hard to um, be home with their kids mm-hmm. and to have that that type of lifestyle, even if it means this forsaking an extra income, um, find a way to make it work and be motivated because of that value. Yeah. And then going back to the, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, um, be praying and actively looking for a better paying job. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it ta- maybe it's going to take some night school to learn a new skill, mm. uh, but work hard and 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 let the family know that it's going to be a hard season until this date, mm-hmm. when things will change because we're gonna I'm gonna be in school or looking for a new job or working a new job or a second job, and figure those things out. And I do want to say this: our current world has made it exceedingly difficult mm-hmm. to do family the way it's always been done. So. I just, I want to, I wanted to commiserate with that and I wanted to let everyone know to be 
praying through that and asking God to show them and to reveal how they can make that happen in their mm-hmm. home if that's the desire they have. Um, so that's the end of our questions. Yeah, that wraps up the questions that you guys asked. And we just yeah. want to say thank you for sharing those questions with us. Hopefully we did them some justice and <laughs> encouraged and sent them some encouragement um, with how we answered them. Yeah. So before we pray for you guys, I just want to remind you that a marriage after God, the whole reason we're doing this is that we want to please God. We want to chase after his will for our lives. We want to be used by him. We want our marriages to be used to grow his kingdom. And a marriage after God doesn't neglect and doesn't aimlessly go through life financially. We we do these things with purpose. And I know it can seem hard and it is hard, but that's what we're doing. We're doing hard things mm-hmm. and we're doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we just want to encourage you to to press on, to begin to learn self-control and learn to beat your bodies so that you're not um, disqualified in this race and, and know that we're doing it with you. Okay. We just want to ask that you join us in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for everything you give to us. Thank you for our finances and thank you for a job so that we can provide for our families so that we can give back to you and be generous with others. We pray we would be good stewards of all that you give to us, especially money. We pray we would be faithful to use our money the way you want us to. Help us to be united in our marriage in the way that we spend, save, and give. Help us to make financial decisions with wisdom and with wise counsel. Please help us to live debt-free, and may our lives be a testimony to others of your faithfulness. May we be people who seek to use our finances to build your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week and we'll see you next time. Did you enjoy today's show? Find many more encouraging stories and resources at marriageaftergod.com and let us help you cultivate an extraordinary marriage. Hey, Marriage After God friends. Thank you for your continued faithfulness and listening each and every week. Jennifer and I have often shared with you about how important prayer is in the life of a believer. It's so important, in fact, that we're told this in 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is God's will for us to pray, and we want to inspire you to begin praying for your spouse and marriage every day. This world hates marriage, and so does our enemy because he knows the power that your marriage is meant to have in this world. He knows that if you and your spouse are praying and chasing boldly after God together, that the impact Christ will have in and through you will be powerful. So we need to be praying more than ever before. Our heart is to encourage you along with everyone who listens to this show to be praying for your spouses and your marriages, to be strengthened, renewed, healed, prepared, and empowered to do the ministry that God has for you to do in this world together. So, Jennifer and I would love to invite you to join with thousands of other couples in taking our 31-day marriage prayer challenge. This is a completely free and fun way to build a habit of prayer in your marriage. All you have to do to join is visit marriageprayerchallenge.com and fill out the registration form. Once you do that, you will begin to receive an email every day from us during the 31 days to not only remind you to pray for your spouse, but we'll also give you various topics and prompts to help you know what to pray for. We dare your marriage to start praying like never before. Start the challenge today at marriageprayerchallenge.com.